Hey everybody, welcome to No One Told Me, where we believe hindsight is everything. My name is Callie, and every week we take the hindsight that I just mentioned, and we use it to inform and equip those who are coming behind us. You know, it's so valuable when it's shared. And sometimes we do that through, you know, guests with these big, powerful platforms that are really special, and I love those conversations. But most of the time, we do it through people I meet, people who maybe share their stories and are open and honest and vulnerable. And I say, hey, what would it be like if I handed you a mic? And then we talked about your story all over again. Because your story matters whether or not you have a big platform, whether or not you have a million followers, whether or not you're on a stage, none of that matters. Your story helps someone else find themselves in it. And what I mean by that is when you share their story, someone feels a little less alone because they're feeling the same things, thinking the same things. And here they thought they were all alone in it. And so if here is a space we can do that, man, I love that, right? If you feel a little less alone, a little more seen, and if you're better from pushing play, sign me up every single week. That's what I love to do here. And I hope that's what happens each week. But this week in particular, I was listening to another podcast because I don't listen to this one back, guys, because it's real weird hearing your own voice all the time. So I just, I don't, I'll be honest with you. But I was listening to another podcast while driving up to the mountains and a statement was said in passing. And it's one that I almost missed, but I had to pull over and type it up in my notes app. He said, wisdom enters through wounds. I can't even remember what he was personally referencing. I was so caught up in the truth of what we carry with us after suffering. A deep wisdom a deeper understanding of this world and how God works within it. These pain points become the good soil from which we harvest a wisdom we wouldn't have accessed any other way. So today, with that in mind, we continue our conversation with my friend, Brooke Phillips. This is part two. And if you haven't listened to part one yet, I really, really encourage you to push pause right now. Go back to last week, the one right before this episode. When I say vulnerable and honest, when I say those are the stories that I think connect most, that is what Brooke did last week and again this week. She speaks from her pain points, sharing the kind of wisdom and clarity gained only from walking through suffering. And the greatest gift is that she pours it back out into our seasons, into our pain, pointing us toward what's on the other side. How did you lower the barriers that don't naturally lower to be vulnerable, to be, here's what's really going on. Oh, when you've been stripped bare, you just start losing fear. Yeah. You just, I mean, it's like, I tell myself often because someone challenged me after we moved to Tennessee, obviously it was kind of a fresh start. Maybe Mm -hmm. you could think of it as that. So I moved the kids here over Christmas break. He stayed back to finish a job in Florida. But I mean, everything was moved. I had the kids enrolled. And the day after he got here from Florida, we just got a call. Oops, funding fell through. No job. So we are in Tennessee. Yeah. In my aunt's sister's house out of the, like, a rental house that she had. Mm -hmm. Out of the kindness of her heart with no job. I had never worked outside the home. Mm-hmm. I had four little kids that I homeschooled, but I decided hmm, that's probably not for me. <laughs> I don't even have to do it to know that. To be oh, true, well, for I'm a glutton. 
Because, you know, I got to just do it all. Let's just see how it goes. I never wanted to just see. The (laughs) pandemic, like virtual school was enough for me to be like, I don't need Uh -uh. any other affirmation (laughs) that this is not for me. Well, I should have learned a lot quicker than I did. But alas, here we are. So, I mean, we were like, God, what in the world have you done? Mm -hmm. But I had someone tell me, look at me. Oh, this is such a... I'm so glad someone told me this. Yeah. She said, Brooke, you will never grow unless you're willing to do something that scares you to death every day. Mm-hmm. Every day. And so I started journaling and making a list of everything, of something I did that scared me every day. Within three years, I had started my company. One of the very first jobs I had was at Blackberry Farm. I was contacted to be a contributor there. I have pitched TV shows to networks. I am opening companies, but I think it it all came down to, okay, you tell me to do something, I'm going to do it. And I did something that scared me to death every day. And it meant risking everything Mm -hmm. because I'd lost everything. So I was okay with loss. You'd already experienced it. I had experienced it and it didn't kill me. Yeah. The worst happened to me. I remember thinking and telling God years ago, I can go through anything but that. And I just think, without me knowing it, he just looked at me and he said, that's where we've got to go. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. that's where we have to go mm-hmm. because that is the thing that I know when I see you through that, you will trust me. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. even then, you will make it. We will make it. Mm-hmm. Even then. And so I think, and I, I will always do that. I will always look to do something that I am afraid of. What were some of the things that you were afraid of that you did anyway? Well, I mean, like I said, I, I don't have a college education in my field to put myself out there with potential clients. And, you know, I mean, I decorated for years for free mm-hmm. because I was a pastor's wife and that was what was expected of me, whatever, mm-hmm. to actually say that I made this a business. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a huge fear with no credentials. If you think about it, we will find evidence for everything that we want to find evidence for, right? Mm -hmm. So if I really thought about it, well, shoot, I mean, Amber Interiors, Emily Henderson, like all of these, Joanna Gaines, Mm -hmm. major influencers in the home decor world, a lot of them don't have design degrees. And so I just started finding evidence of, well, maybe I don't need that. Mm -hmm. Because that was there too. Mm -hmm. There was evidence that it might hinder me as well. Mm -hmm. But I mean, what kind of evidence am I going to look for? Because I'll find it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what what I want to lean into a little bit right there is, how do you know when the fear is a warning and when the fear is just like nerves, the fear is just, I don't That's know if I question. can actually do it, you know, because there are things, I mean, I just turned down a job offer a week ago. That was incredible on paper. It made sense, but it was way above my head. I wasn't scared because it was above my head. I could tell I've learned to count the cost of every mm-hmm. decision. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, if I count the cost of this decision, I think it's going to take from me more than I want to give, mm-hmm. right? And so mm-hmm. I go back to that decision and I, I still am affirmed in that decision. I uh-huh. know it was the right decision, uh-huh. but that's what makes me want to ask. Okay, so 
how do you know if, you know, the fear and the misgivings you have, Yeah, if it's a warning or if it's just the nerves of yeah. trying something new? Well, I th- that's such a good question. And I don't think it's one that I know the answer to <laughs> completely. But I do think that there is a fear that produces this excitement sure. for what's on the other side. Mm-hmm. And then imagining yourself on the other side, you're like, that's so valid. Because oh, when I imagined myself, yes. see, I imagined myself on the other side of this and I was like, oh, heck no. Like, right. That's exactly that is not like the trajectory. We, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Are we overcoming and can't, you know, what does that feel like? To, let's just take this to its conclusion. Let's follow it. Yeah. And then what, you know, I think the old comment about, well, I'm just going to pray that I have peace about it, you know. Yeah. And I'm going to have peace about it. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes peace is not what you have. You've and it's got, not what you think. No, it's not what you think mm-hmm. either. Mm-hmm. I, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes there's just this, I'm shaking in my boots a little bit. But gosh, when I get on the other side of this, mm-hmm. I am so pumped for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, or... I really have no desire mm-hmm. to be on the other side. That's yeah. not the woman that I want to be yeah. or whatever. I do think I've learned so much about peace uh, just in the big decisions that we've made as a family over the past year. And just that what I thought peace was, it's not. It's not like a, a feeling that comes and goes. It's not fleeting. You know, the kind of peace that Jesus gives is a peace that doesn't shake when yeah. you are scared. You can hold peace and still be nervous. I think we convince ourselves, me included, that peace is none of those other emotions ever come. Right. Right. You only, yeah. you only feel right and good. And mm-hmm. and I just learned I can have a settled heart. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I can have a settled mm-hmm. heart, but I can still hold nerves. You know, I just mm-hmm. don't think, I don't think peace is the absence of all of those things. No. I think it's the, the understanding and the confidence mm-hmm. of what's on the other side of all mm-hmm. of those things. But how do you, how do you actively engage in that hope that, you know, you, you said I've lost everything. So I really, I'm okay to try anything at this point because what can it do to me for people who maybe haven't, they haven't experienced big loss, but they want to equip themselves to be a people of hope. You know, I want to try things in spite of my fear. How do you equip yourself to do that? Is it almost like muscle memory for you now? Like, well, yeah, if I read this and I'm a little nervous then I know I need to do it. Like if I, yeah, 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 it really is. I mean, just like, I'm not going to go in and lift a hundred pounds, you know, or whatever into the gym. I'm not going to do that day one. It just start in small ways. I mean, just simple obedience. I, what were some of the things that you did at first? You set this goal. I'm going to do something that scares me every day. And you said you wrote things down that scared you. Yeah. Well, a lot of times it was interpersonal. Uh So I would talk to someone share a part of my story Uh that scared me to share. And boy, did that have different outcomes than I thought. You know, the interesting thing is that it really weeded out people in a big way. Suffering does. Suffering does that. So it, you know, I was, I either made connections or, I mean, people were not about, you know, sitting with me in that. And sometimes it was just an interpersonal dynamics. I'm a little backward when it comes to initially talking to people Mm -hmm. or trying to make friends or it's not easy for me now once we've broken the ice you know I love communicating with people and and stuff but in the beginning it's it's just a little hard for me so I'm like okay well I'm gonna talk to this person and that that's one thing or I'm gonna just say yes I have a business Mm -hmm. 
even though my business was two days old. And not say but. Yes, I have a business, but it, oh, I, goodness, yes. I always add, you know, these little just, yes. uh, you know, like I, like that take away from it. Yes. But I'm always, I always do that when and I talk about anything that Dan, I do. Dan told, he had to remind me a lot. My hubby had to remind me, Brooke, stop qualifying. Yes, that's the word I was looking for. Stop yes. it. You just say it. It's, you know, mm. and give God something to work with, yeah. you know. So he had to remind me of that a lot. How did you end up pitching TV shows? I'm so interested to know how you even oh ended up goodness. in that scenario. Well, I was asked by a local company to use my house for, for some production work, the house that was torn down. And I met a gal who worked in production and we just had a connection. And she was like, I've kind of always wanted to do a TV show. And years ago, I had this vision of having a TV show, which is laughable because I am so the stage fright sometimes. I mean, from the time I was little, yeah, I would cry before I would get on stage, cry when I came off. Like it just, yeah. but when she said that, I'm like, wait a minute, God's already tipped his hand to me mm-hmm. in this. Mm-hmm. So I just entertained the conversation. Yeah. I didn't be like, oh, no. That's not for me. Yeah. Yep. I could never do that. Mm -hmm. And so I just being curious, I'm like, wow, well, just tell tell me about that, you know? And so I had this concept that I'd already thought through a little bit. And then Dan, my husband is so good at kind of pulling the creativity out of me too. And so we, we pitched it and it, we got producers to even talk about, you know, moving forward with it. It was right before COVID. Yeah. And then all the, that stopped and yeah. it just wasn't the time probably still isn't the time yeah but and it may or may never be I don't know but it was but an yeah. experience to to try for that didn't make sense on paper for you no, to do but yet sure there not. it was there it was you know you mentioned your house which is honestly how I first got to I first met you doing the interview with help you dwell who you shared mm-hmm. an office with in the back of this old church yes. and it was awesome and I was like <laughs> how did they end up back here this is so random it's just an old church building and here was you all so are random. like in this cute space that you had made and all you all are just back there working together but that's when I first got to meet you but then I started following along with you just had this beautiful home that was just down the road from where I live and following along with just the battle you were fighting to keep the home in light yeah. of construction projects, in light of uh, roads widening and everything else. Yeah. And I do think that was one of the moments, and correct me if I'm wrong, that how you thought and wanted it to turn out. Oh, yeah. It did, did not. not. Right. I mean, you had all the hope and the confidence in what could be. Yes. And it just wasn't. It did not. What? What was that like, navigating? Because I mean, I think we can all sit here and think about those moments. Oh my gosh, you you're think just so it's a, it's, sure we're, I'm done. It's gonna happen, right? Yeah, like, everything's gonna be great. We're set. We're good to go. Right, and then you're not anymore. Right. You know, these wrenches get thrown in. And How there, do you keep going? Yeah, there were so many things too that pointed to that house being where I would raise my grandchildren. Yeah, I mean, we. Oh my goodness, we started out on this side of town in a little 1200 square foot rental house at the time could barely pay our bills. God would have, and I'm not even lying gift cards dropped at our doorstep that we had no idea where they came from because we didn't tell anyone what our situation was. Yeah, It was, I mean, 
it was like manna from heaven, how we Mm -hmm. made it. And then through my work, I had a real estate agent call me and say, Brooke, I have an elderly man, a client. I need you to come and tell us what it's going to take to get this house on the market. It's like, okay. I went in. I mean, this, it's just, I went into this house. It had been largely abandoned for 10 years. His wife had Alzheimer's. He tried to take care of her. He was a hoarder and Mm. rescued cats. So just imagine what that, the combination of those two things, it's enough. Yeah, And sweet old man, but I just connected with him. And I just said, oh, I just talked about how lovely his home was. It was Mm -hmm. so precious to him and, and what I could see. And long story short, he ended up because his wife had been so sick. He had a mortgage on the property and no one knew his kids didn't know. No one knew. And he got it in his mind that we were supposed to have his house. Yeah. Like we, and he would not hear of any other way. He paid to sell us his house. So the thought in my mind that this is our forever home because Mm -hmm. God gave us this home and there's so many other details that we don't have time for. But when I say it was a gift from God, that house, I was like, I would stake my life on it. Mm -hmm. Dust to dust in the backyard, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And so when TDOT was like, by the way, we need five feet of your living room for an easement. We're tearing your house down. And by that time, we'd been there for two years. We'd been renovating. It took us two years to restore this house, Mm -hmm. which had rescued cats Mm -hmm. and hoarded 17 trash cans. You're pulling up everything. Everything's coming out. You're stripping it all down. Yeah. Two years, all of our money. Mm -hmm. And they tell me they're tearing my house down. And I'm like, no, no, Mm -hmm. you're not. You don't understand. This was God's gift to us. You can't take this house. And I'm just thinking we had more connections in our life at that time mm-hmm. than I can even, than I could have written down. Mm-hmm. The moral of the story is God took that house yeah. as quickly as he gave it. Mm-hmm. But here we are in this house where we are. I mean, this house, the miracle that it took for us to have this home, it's just unthinkable. Mm-hmm. And what this home has now done in relation to my career and our lives so it has allowed us to have seed money for other projects that we're doing and you know we're considering selling off an acre of this property for more seed money to do another concept Mm -hmm. that I'll be opening within a year yeah Um, a home store which has been my ultimate dream with outdoor space and anyway so I think that whole death to life upside down way of God. The the second that something comes in and you think, oh, for sure, this could ruin me. Mm-hmm. That's probably a story mm-hmm. that you're telling yourself that's not really true. Mm-hmm. How did you reconcile personally the loss of the house? You know, scripture says, you know, God gives and he takes away. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it's that whole holding both uh, in every area of your life. You've got to hold both. Yeah. How did you reconcile that? Because I think there's yeah, these moments that you're just so confident, God, this is what you wanted. Yeah, and we think and we tell ourselves if He wanted this for us, then it, it's only like yes to make us happy. We're only going to be happy. Oh, We're happy. Only, you know, mm, like that happy, right? <laughs> like He, that's what He wants for us. And he, yeah, it's just this this illusion. We tell mm-hmm. ourselves that good things come, but that doesn't mean within the good there's not bad, no. right? Like yeah, I, I do just, not believe that the point of life is to be happy. Yeah, someone actually told me that recently. Mm. Well what makes you happy? You know, like that's you should not the end chase goal. that you should. Mm-hmm. It's not that, I mean, it's not great. 
Happiness is just an emotion. It's just a frequency that we feel in our bodies, just like anything. But I don't think the point of life is to be happy. I think there are highs and lows. There is good and bad. The point, I believe, is to have this communion with Jesus who promises to walk with us Mm -hmm. in it all Mm -hmm. and to put his fingerprints in the world through it all. How am I communicating God's endless love to a world who is desperately hurting, Mm -hmm. who may not be happy? Mm -hmm. I was was reading this morning in Matthew, uh, Matthew 18, when the uh, disciples are asking, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God? Mm -hmm. Like who... Who is it going to be? Because you, they're thinking, I need to start checking off my checklist to mm-hmm. be that, right? So mm-hmm. they're asking him, and he brings uh, a child over, and it says he puts it right in the middle of all of them. And he was like, whoever has the humility of a child, whoever has the heart of a child and the simplicity of a child, that is who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. But then he goes on, and it's that passage that says, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, right? If, you're, if your left eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. And it's so graphic, right? Mm -hmm. And I used to read that and be like, gosh, if my right hand does, I took it so literally Mm -hmm. when I was younger, Mm -hmm. like, do I have to chop my hand off? What am I going to do? Right. (laughs) And what, what I read it this morning and God just taught me my goal with you is always holiness. It's not happiness. It's that's never my goal for you. My goal for you is holiness. And what, what do we do to bring you closer to that? And what makes you more holy? What sanctifies you? And so removing the things that don't make you more holy. I mean, that's what that passage is about, right? Like, Yeah, well, and holiness doesn't mean sin-free. Holiness mm-hmm. is just set apart for his work. Mm-hmm. It does not mean that we are without sin. Yeah. Sin is something that is inside of us. If you really study the original language of the word, it, you know, sin is something that is inside of us. So holiness doesn't necessarily mean that we're sin-free. It just means that we are set apart for his work, mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. living this this life as his companion mm-hmm. and ambassador and mm-hmm. for his purpose. You know, with holiness and being set apart, I think especially, I was raised in church. I mean, I've been mm-hmm. in church my whole life. And, you know, you, you come up against and you meet people, and I know you have too, who view a holiness as a better than yes right for like, sure i want to be more holy well i did at so one point I can, yeah right right mm-hmm. i mean i did i did too uh, that was my understanding yeah, it was of holiness and of you know being set apart meant a very pharisee-like approach mm-hmm. you know the pharisees mm-hmm. for those maybe who don't know i mean these were the the religious leaders and when jesus was walking the earth and jesus did not get along with them no he they did didn't not. They didn't like him because Mm-mm. what they thought was holy is not what Jesus no. looked like. That's Mm-mm. not what their picture of holiness was. No. And I just, I think that's a hard thing to reconcile as you get older is what that personal holiness is and mm-hmm. what God's shaping and setting you apart for Right, might not look like Mm-mm. what you thought. And it doesn't, it's like you said, it doesn't mean you are better than or that you are, you live a sinless life it just means you're just constantly being chipped away at you're being well or renewed renewed. like yeah I'm in need of renewal every day god man I blew that I I need you Mm -hmm. I need your newness I need your fresh start Mm -hmm. I need your new mercy I'm in need of renewal and I I just think about the people in my life that effortless kind of walk Mm -hmm. in this grace grace for themselves grace for others, you know, not making their behavior mean 
something that it doesn't about themselves or others. And just that unforced kind of rhythm Mm -hmm. of that grace. Mm -hmm. And you know those people where you just kind of want to exhale or you have the ability Mm -hmm. to exhale. And then the ones who, oh my gosh, am I okay? Or you feel like you you have to be something else. Yeah. Or put a different picture out there. I know we've probably answered this question in a lot of ways, but it's one of my favorite ones to ask. What's something you really wish someone would have told you sooner? I think I wish someone would have told me this whole big life for everything you get wrong and everything you get right, God has rigged it in your favor. Mm -hmm. Because you're going to get a lot wrong Mm -hmm. and it's going to be okay. And you're going to get so much right. And that's going to be okay either. It doesn't mean that you're bad or good. It means that you're human. And the human experience is just natural and real. And there's nothing wrong with you because you experience life as one of the humans. Mm Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong if it's hard some days. There's nothing wrong if If you you have joy and someone else maybe doesn't have joy that day. It goes back to the expectations that you talked about of, you know, the good and the bad. Yep. It all is working together. And he's, I love the phrase, he's rigged it in your favor. He's rigged it in your favor. If you'll just see it, Mm -hmm. you'll find evidence that, oh my gosh, that was probably, that felt terrible to me, but Mm -hmm. it was an avenue Mm -hmm. through which he brought a great and powerful gift Mm -hmm. or he changed me in a way that was so good because Mm -hmm. of that. Mm -hmm. Like you'll find that evidence or you'll find evidence that life is over. It's not worth living, not worth trying again, not worth doing something you're afraid of, not worth. Mm -hmm. You'll find evidence for that too. Mm -hmm. If you're looking, if you'll find it, if that's the approach you have. (laughs) The last question on every episode we've ever done. Is what are you so happy someone did tell you about? And this can be anything. Okay. I think I had a mentor who said that the phrase, you're both bad and good. That was just so like, oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. You were a bad and a good mom, Brooke. Mm -hmm. And it's okay. Mm -hmm. Like, specifically having a child who's getting ready, well, who just left for college. Yeah. I'm like... I mean, it took him a few years. He graduated 2020, so he he was not an academic kid. He yeah. didn't immediately go to college because it meant he would be online, and that was not good. Sure. He worked for me for a couple of years and kind of didn't really have an aim. And I'm just seeing now that kind of turn around. But for a minute in that tension of, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, is he going to, like, have vision for his life? Is he going to... Did I fail Do, completely? Right? Yeah. It just mean, you know, but I, I'm like, no, no. I mean, t- she said, no, you were bad and good. Mm-hmm. And his journey's his journey. And maybe he needed you to be bad about something mm-hmm. to learn his own form of a lesson that, yeah. you know, is going to be meaningful in his life and how God uses him. So that was like, oh, gosh. It's the both and yes. concept. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that it's. In my experience, I've yet to encounter a time that it's either or. Mm-hmm. It's almost always both and. Yeah. In, in, in recovery, areas. we had, I had a big amper stand like in my house because that was a primary principle mm-hmm. of getting beyond. Um, Where's the amper stand now? 
Did you get rid of it? It's no longer a part Actually, of your decor. Actually, it got, <laughs> believe it or not, I need to. I need to have what I'm ashamed I don't, but it got smashed in one of the moves. I'm like, ah, oh, I can probably, some things you just got to get rid of. You do. They just, they really don't hold any meaning no, anymore. Right, well, it's not yet. And you're like, okay, I can, I can just forget that time yep. in my life. That's true. Some bring about the memories yep. you don't want. I, I get have it. To look at that. We are living a new day. Yeah. I get, I tie <laughs> so much of my emotions um, to like, I can be triggered by almost anything. Yes. Like oh, I remember yeah. it was one day I was going, I had made a huge decision. I was going in to communicate the decision. And I remember I picked a shirt I don't like that much because I was like, I'm never going to be able to wear the shirt again because I'm only going to think about how bad this day was. And so I, I literally thought about it in the morning. I was like, I'm going to wear this ugly shirt that I don't even like. So that way I can just get rid of it after because I don't want to be associated with it anymore. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe there's some deeper issues I need to have like counseling for. Brooke. I don't know. Probably. Who's to, who's to say? Who's, to, who's say? to say? You know, all I know, Brooke, is I'm ready to move in with you. So oh. I need you to make some space. I've just got two kids and Ryan, oh, you know, I think you know room. what we call it the Phillips family Spanish villa because there's room for all. There's you wouldn't room. believe how many people lived here. Listen, we just... we're, I'm ready to roll in and sit in this living room at night and watch my <laughs> Netflix. I'm, I'm in, but Brooke, thank you so much you're um, so for jumping in. I'm so grateful that you're here, but thank you so much.